Hey, friends. It's good to see you again. I'm Brian. And I'm Joe. Let's start, start the, the show. show. Let's start the show indeed. Good morning, everyone. Nice to, nice to have you with us again. Brian and Joe here with a guest. With a guest and second time in our new digs. Yeah, second podcast. But we'll be the first one to come out. Does that make sense? It's the second one we've recorded, but it's going to be the first one that we've that will upload. I'm just going to have to trust you because if I try to understand what you're saying, I'm going to forget the thing you said before about this coming out. Yeah, so after. so everybody's already listened to us at the Keller Guys, which we also haven't recorded yet. Okay, and so it's all confusing. That's it's the all confusing. Thing that I'm trying to remember. Yeah, you you listener are listening to us after. After we've already been to the Keller Guys live, but in our current reality, we have not done that yet. Right. <sighs> Can we just... Okay. It's, it's a weird world I'm gonna we live in. I'm just going to start we, confused. Yeah, that's okay. That's okay. But it is nice to be in our own digs. It's comfy. There's no, there's no uh, saw in the background. You know, nothing like that. Joe, you made a pour over coffee. Yep, it feels it's, fancy. It's nice. You have a guitar hanging up behind you. I could play it at any moment. Any moment. If I get a little too anxious or whatever, the the world doesn't make sense anymore. I just pick up the guitar. Right. And it's right behind me. Yeah, I think this is. Oh, and whiteboards. Yeah, we have our whiteboards up now. I got those. I got those hung up. That is how you know we're about to become millionaires. <laughs> <laughs> two two whiteboards right next to each other. Nothing on them. The ideas are flowing. <laughs> so I hung them yesterday and I sent you a picture, right? Just to show you like how proud I was of myself. I thought it would be fun to put, what is the name of the cat on Alice in Wonderland? The Cheshire. So, something like that. To put that smiley face underneath the two whiteboards to make it look like a face right there. Because they look like robot eyes. Yeah, right? like robot or weird sunglasses or something. Or like animated eyes. Yeah. Cool. Well, that would have been a good idea, but now I can just picture it and I'm still having fun. Yeah. <laughs> and you didn't have to do the extra work. And, and I don't want to. <sighs> okay. Let's introduce our guest. Who do we have here with us today, Joe? I will leave the introductions to you, my friend. You have Well, a- the cool thing is, is I have it pulled up. I could read straight from his website. Wow. We have Tony Bynum with us. Tony Bynum is a Montana-based photographer, media professional, and conservationist. Tony has produced images used on over 300 magazine and book covers. Hundreds of his images are seen annually in newspapers, national advertisements, annual reports, book covers, art galleries, and dozens of outdoor publications. Wow. He's traveled the world creating images for some of the biggest brands in the outdoor space. And it's it's unique how we got you here because um, through word of mouth, you heard about the podcast. You started following us on Instagram, which brought to life who you were to, uh, for us. And I just kind of reached out about it. It hasn't been long, a week ago, maybe. And I was like, it'd be cool to have you on because I really want to talk about these cool outdoor photos I'm seeing here. And, and here we are. So welcome, Tony. Thank you. Um, I appreciate it. Uh, and we are in Great Falls, too, which is cool. I didn't have to go anywhere, do much. It's like, hey, we're all here. We're together. Your podcast, I've been listening to it, and it's been enjoyable. And so it was, I was actually kind of surprised. It all happened rather rapidly, and you guys are doing a fantastic job. Um, I love the history part of of what you guys have been doing, talking to local businesses, and um, it's exciting. 
It is. Yeah. It is for us as well. So Thank you. yeah, it's it's really cool. And it, it brings us here today. The reason this happened so quick though is because uh, we we have an event coming to freeze out. We don't actually know exactly when that event's gonna happen because the birds are weird, right? But mm. it's been a, it's been this thing that I've wanted to do for many years and I never know about it in time. And I think we might be timing this almost perfectly. Yes. Yeah, but we had to act fast. What's the name of this event? The formal name? What? I guess if there's a formal name for it, we could right. we could call it a formal event. I think somebody has formalized it. But let's let's talk about the snow geese, which is really what we're talking about, right? Mm-hmm. The mm-hmm. migration, the spring migration of waterfowl. Okay. Um, we'll kind of dig into that a little bit, but mm-hmm. basically, the from now, which what is today, the fifteenth, sixteenth of March, something like eighteenth, eighteenth of March. So. Mm-hmm. I've been out at freeze out the last couple of days, kind of keeping track of things. Mm-hmm. Generally speaking, this time of year, starting the last couple of days through the first part of April, is a, a mass, <clears throat> excuse me, a massive migration of of waterfowl that come through freeze out Lake Wildlife Management Area, which is located um, where is this? Mm, if I was trying to tell Fairfield, so Fairfield, Montana, it's about forty miles from Great Falls, but in between okay. Fairfield and Shoto. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. And for those that have driven that stretch of of, of two lane highway, um, you actually drive right through the middle of this wildlife refuge on the highway, and usually people go pretty fast because it's a long three or four mile straight stretch of ground. Mm-hmm. Uh, in any event, so so what's unique about this place? I mean, the, as far as the birds are concerned, I I think it, it, it is one of the most remarkable experiences I have had in my life, mm. literally, when it comes to the outdoors. It, it, it ranks, if not, I'd say in the top two or three and that I, I've ever seen. And I mean, just to add a little bit of weight to that statement, I, when we were talking, um, you, you mentioned that you've been all over the world and done every hunt in, in every location everywhere. Mm-hmm. So when you say that, you're speaking from some sort of experience here. I, I believe that just from a purely natural nature, sort of get outside, we, we can experience something that will change your life. Uh, within 40 miles of Great Falls. And it is literally the numbers of birds that can be there and the fact that they move in largely in harmony. And so when they're both moving and when they're squawking, um, the noise is unmistakable, unforgettable, and the feeling you get when you're there among this number of birds which can be right now it's pretty low uh so we're talking on the 18th i think it's somewhere in the i don't know pretty low thousands but Mm -hmm. historically i have been on freeze out lake where there's been just under a million birds so half a million is supposed to be kind of big it's been higher right now we're talking a few thousand so Next well, to nothing. <laughs> yeah, we're early. So okay. next, within the next, you have 10 or 15 days, basically, where the birds every day will be increasing. Not just Whoa. snow geese, but um, mallard ducks and pintail ducks and you name it, the ducks come through there. And it's quite an experience. If if you haven't done it, it, in, it will literally change the way you view not just wildlife, but where you live. Mm-hmm. It's that spectacular. Wow. I, I, I've been excited to see it um, because like Brian said, I mean, I've been 
as a local Great Fallsian, I mean, I'm, I don't think I'm the only one that will see it on the news and go, oh, is that going on now? And then you look at your calendar going, oh, geez, I'm booked up and you can't get out there. Mm-hmm. So I think that's cool that we're in the window now. Maybe me and Brian can get out there and take some pictures with you and experience it. Because just to hear this, I want to have my life changed, to be honest with you. And um, so what else? So where were we? Um, it's, it's out in Fairfield. Wait, so it's, I, we're in a 10, 15 day window. How, how big is Freezeout? That's what I was going to ask. It's like, we have a half a million birds. Like how, how, do, yeah. how are they fitting in Freezeout? <laughs> yeah. Like talk in football fields. Like yes. what, what are we thinking? Well, uh, it's 12,000 acres. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe this will give you some perspective. Mm-hmm. Uh, 5,000 acres is enough area to be considered a wilderness area. Okay. So there's enough space in 5,000 acres to be, feel like you're by yourself. This is 15, a little less than 15,000 acres. Um, it's big, mm. uh, you, and it's muddy. It's gumbo, so you can't walk across it. Mm-hmm. I was going to say, well, you could walk across it, but you'd have to walk on the highway. But mm-hmm. um, So it's rather large, and, and when you have, uh, let's just, when there's 100,000 birds there, it is remarkable the amount of space they actually occupy on the water. It, you know, In terms of like... It- all of the water or so so it's that's an interesting way to look at it so mm-hmm. let's say the place is like three quarters water yep like when there's a half a million birds there it's half full of birds wow so and they Ooh. all go at the same time R- right yeah. right so when they get up they all sort of leave at the same time and they all cut during the day right like yeah, so, so they they have they have feed cycles. That's yeah. that was one thing I wanted yeah. to say too. Is that uh, I think we all know that that birds go south for the winter, but they do that, you know, mm-hmm. and then and then they're coming back north is what we're catching right now. When they stop in certain places, um, depending on the weather and different things like that, but they have cycles throughout the day where they'll be on the water or they'll be in a, a, a feed lot, right? They'll, mm-hmm. Like they'll go to a crop or or somewhere else for a few hours, then they're going to come back to water until the I don't know who out of those 100,000 is in charge, but one of them's like, all right, we got to go to the next lake, you know, but for a couple of days, they'll go back and forth on and off the water. Mm -hmm. And you're saying you get to witness this as they're all 100, 500,000, however many are there doing it at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so, uh, that's, it's, it's interesting. I don't know how it's controlled either. Like, and, and it's not always the same. Like, so for, for the, if you were going to plan it out, the best way to do it is to do the morning flight. This is my experience. Mm. Because in the morning, they're more likely to all leave at the same time. And when I say morning, you have, if, if the sun rises at, right now it's at 7.30 a.m. If, if next weekend it's 7.45, or I'm sorry, 7.15 because it's getting earlier, mm-hmm. you have maybe 20 minutes after sunrise you right. might on a lucky day get to 30, but those birds are going to leave all together within 15 or 20 minutes of the sunrise. And, and yeah, because 90% of the time they're sleeping on the water. Yeah, but they're, like, they're hanging it, out. Right? right. If it's frozen over, they're not sleeping on the water, of course, because you can't. But, right. uh, you know, because uh, they have to be in moving water at that point. So they're not sleeping there. But 90% of the time they're sleeping on the water. And then when they wake up, they're like, hey, I'm, you know, just like us. I need a coffee. I need a donut. Hmm. And that's what they're like. All right. Yeah. We're going to get up and do this. And you're saying uh, what I've noticed in because in, I've, I've hunted birds in the fall. Mm-hmm. If it's a foggy morning, that'll change the time because they the the sun that comes through isn't as as much, and maybe they you know they don't have a clock 
<laughs> I haven't seen a, a bird with a wristwatch yet. So they, they kind of time it based on like how well they can see. So if it's rainy, if it's snowy, if it's uh, windy, all of those will change it a little bit. But they pretty much kind of stick near that that yeah. yeah few few thirty minutes after, after sure. sunrise, and they're moving yeah. around. No doubt, the weather plays a role in that. And and if if there's fog or it's cold or blustery, it might they might hang a little tighter. Mm-hmm. But um, the thing about it is what happens is people, like you guys have heard about this and people have heard about it all over and they show up and it's like they get there at like 8.30, right? And they're <laughs> like, this is cool, like, but where are all these snow geese, you know? there's they So what they do see is swans because swans mm. generally stay there all day. Once mm-hmm. they're there, they kind of hang out. They might fly around a little bit, but the other big attraction there, and in in North America, it's like a big deal. Like, I just keep coming back to great, we're in Great Falls. Mm-hmm. We have some of the best bird wildlife viewing anywhere in America. And so you've got, at times, I've seen up to five, six, seven thousand swans. Wow. And that's just in and of itself. So the swans are Whoa. there, right? So, so you show up, and if you don't see anything, you're like, whoa, I missed it, or they're not here this year. Well, you're going to spend the next, let's say, so they leave in the morning. They start coming back. Um, it's a little bit complicated, but but basically in about three or four hours. So around midday. And and this time of year, you'll get the local birds that sort of got up in the morning. They went to the field. They've been pecking around and eating, which you can watch and mm-hmm. go watch that. But as they come back during the day, more birds are coming in from the south. These are Pacific flyway birds. Mm-hmm. So they're coming in from California, up through Oregon, all of that is coming out, even though it's on this side of the Rockies, they're still coming this way. And then they're going to fly up north into into Russia. So interestingly enough, though, you show up, they're not there. It's like, what happened? Hang out. They're coming back. In the evening, they do a similar thing where they take off. But sometimes in the evening, for, for whatever reason, they sort of start peeling off. And so let's say it's 4... 435 they're getting antsy you can tell you can watch them on the water they start kind of getting a little bit antsy jumpy well sometimes they just start peeling off like a hundred at a time and that, so that can take like an hour mm. like or more right and right. other times they will actually all get up at the same time now i want to put some or maybe add one little element which makes it really cool is that when you're there in the daytime if you if you show up too early they're not on the water because they're out feeding. There just won't be any there. Right. Later in the afternoon, they'll start coming back, and they get in these big flocks out on the lake. And if an eagle flies over, they all get up at the same time. And this happens every day that they're there. So <laughs> right. so if you're there and you're like, like this sucks because I missed it, you just kind of wait. And, and so plan on either making the flight in the morning or come about midday and watch it for the rest of the day. But... Right now, there were, I was there yesterday and the day before, there were a hundred bald eagles there yesterday. Wow. A hundred. And apparently they're feasting on, um, so we've been in a little bit of a drought recently. The water levels have dropped at freeze out quite a bit. So there's not as much water there as there have been, has been in the past few years. And the carp froze out on some of the lakes so now Ooh. that the frost and the thaw cycle has started, these dead carp are showing up in areas where now these eagles are f- concentrating on eating carp right now. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, like it was, you know, so, so there's 
golden eagles, bald eagles, and they fly around during the day. And when they fly over a group of uh, snow geese, they all get up. So you can maybe you can watch this five or six times in a day where this cloud of birds just gets up and they make noise and they fly around and then they drop back down on the water and and it frees out you can there's enough access with the road system out there and the dikes mm-hmm. you can walk on all the dikes there's mm-hmm. no restrictions there's a restriction to where you park because there's a parking place there's several of them but essentially if you park anywhere out there you can walk the dikes mm-hmm. so you can get pretty close to the birds no matter where they're at it's pretty pretty cool that way right and speaking of the dikes like uh there's like a main lake and it has kind of dikes going around it Mm -hmm. and then there's a bunch of little i mean it's all considered freeze out lake but there's a Mm -hmm. bunch of little maybe what uh for terms it would be little ponds Mm -hmm. and they're kind of split by these dikes as well and i've i've hunted out at freeze out during the fall and so you know i've been on a lot of these dikes before Mm -hmm. and um yeah they they go any, anywhere you'd like to go, it just might take you a little longer, you know, to, to get somewhere. But they're high enough that they get out of that muck you were talking about. Um, because if you do get off the dike, make sure you have, like, muck boots, <laughs> you have, you know, waders. Because I, I know I've walked in that, that freeze-out, and you, you can sink sometimes a foot or two in the mud. And Whoa. so if you're already in a foot or two of water, you're actually, like, you're getting close to where your chest if it's a chest waiter, like water will start coming in. Like you, yeah. you have to be pretty careful. I, I now won't go out there without my dog. Cause my dog can just swim and go get birds. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it gets pretty tough, but yeah, you're right. Yeah. So you can just, uh, uh, walk on those dikes everywhere. Um, to explain to anybody that may not know, uh, why are they getting up when the Eagles fly? So, uh, it's, it's thought to be their way of, um, uh, protecting themselves as isn't it's sort of like the the theory if if you have one of you you're gonna you could get captured if there's a thousand of you there's no way it just creates chaos and so they're they're trying to evade a predator so the that, eagles right. will have you ever seen that where oh yeah eagle, for like, sure attacks if, if you spend goose? enough time out there you'll see eagles um eating ducks and geese uh and and it's just something you kind of have to watch out for like if you mm-hmm. really want to see that you kind of want to follow the eagles around with the right. binoculars right, right. Mm-hmm. but so it's not you, you're not going to roll up there and see this happen especially now with all the carp because they're, they're not going to work harder for food the carp's free right exactly now. they're not running away or anything they're i thought the same thing i'm like you know this might not be quite as exciting as it has been in the past because they're eating carp so they're full yeah, yeah. i didn't but, know there was carp in there yeah, that's cool. Oh, it's a great carp fishery. People come from all over. And really, yeah. I've I've, I've uh, bow hunted bow carp hunted, one yeah. time out there from the dikes. It can one be time. can be great. Yeah, wow. some good carp out there. Huh. Um, so, uh, so with the eagles and the birds, yeah, like so the water's pretty low right now. Interesting. I was out there yesterday. I was able to move around and get to places where normally I would never be able to go. Hmm. Um, I say that, but I also preface that also, or I should say, I should follow that up by saying, you know, people should probably use common sense too. Like mm-hmm. there's, there's, if you see somebody parked like by themselves or in a strange spot, you can almost bet they're probably a photographer. Mm. And so when it comes to photography, um, if you were to uh, just decide to walk out on the dike, maybe um, just be careful that there's, 
could be other people already there. Don't let your dogs run around this mm. time of year. It's really not. I mean, there's no law against leash law there. They recommend that you have your dog under control. Mm-hmm. You can have it under voice control, but it needs to be under control. And if mm-hmm. you if your dog does cause a problem, the numbers of people that are going to see that, you're going to wish you had left your dog at home. Mm-hmm. I mean, literally, these people are serious birders. And if oh, your yeah, dog gotcha. is out there chasing geese, yeah, I can't. I can't bring my bird out, my dog out oh. when it's not hunting season because if there's an injured bird or anything, like oh. she's going to get it, and you don't want to do that during the spring at all. Uh, that's not the hunting season. You need to leave them alone, and so that's that's really good advice because yep. uh, as as you know, you're out there as a photographer. It happens while we're out there hunting too mm-hmm. that other hunters will pull up, and there's already three vehicles at one of the dikes. And a hunter will walk out late. Yep. And you're like, okay, I've been set up here for 45 minutes, so I don't scare any birds. But this guy's coming out with his three dogs and his two kids, and he's going to try to shoot birds. And they set up a little real close. So if you see someone, I'm assuming it's like hunting, you see a mm-hmm. photographer, try to keep your distance, yeah. you know, let them have that. Because you're going out there to take pictures of snow geese, not people and snow geese. Right? <laughs> well, <laughs> that's funny you say that because mm-hmm. I, I probably. I've done pretty well on photographing people and birds. So (laughs) there is a market for that. But but, but the point is the good one. And I think it's not, it's not as though you have to be like, you can't go towards them, but like there's a, there's a buff. You can tell what it is. Like if you're walking down the, if you're walking down the thing and like all the birds are leaving from you to wherever they're leaving from, that's what you're going to do all the way down the dike. Like literally at some point, every bird there is going to leave. Yep. So so just be careful. And then um, I think uh, if you see, like, it's almost like it went in Rome, right? If you see, like, there's a lot of people doing that. Like, that dike is getting used. I mean, I think you're pretty safe. Like, okay, that's kind of what people are doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then keep your eyes out. It's funny because if you do see a vehicle by itself or in an odd spot, you can almost always bet if you stop and look around through the binoculars, you'll see somebody out there like a photographer all covered up in camo or, you know, right. you'll find them. They'll be there. And, and a little courtesy um, goes well, a that, long way. That was going to be my next question is, so do you camo up? And yeah. you kind of said that already. Like, what, describe, like, what yeah. you're kind of wearing and what, you, what you're doing as you go out there to take pictures. <laughs> I'm kind of on the extreme end of that. <laughs> that's like, that's like, great. Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, I'm, like, you were in the military, right? Like, you guys were. Mm-hmm. Can you, you know, you imagine, like, um, you probably wouldn't be able to find me, mm-hmm. but I'm there. In, if you know what to look for, gotcha. But I actually spent I don't know probably I probably have 40 hours into my ghillie suit, like He's it got is a the ghillie ball. suit. <laughs> and so, okay. like cool. uh, if if I'm gonna be somewhere and I know I really need to be covered up, you know I'm gonna weave in more of the local material and be like in. You won't. The only way you can really be spotted is. Um, you kind of either movement or the objective of the lens. Mm. So if you're shooting a really big lens that's long and it's, you know, the front front lens is probably eight inches across, you'll be able to spot that. And and that's that's similar to the, the picture that's your profile picture, right? You have a big or camera, I'm sorry, the big lens yeah. in your profile right there. That was that was a that's a big lens. It I don't remember what that was, but something like that. At yeah. least you can see that. And the other way to tell is a lot of times if you look out there, you'll see like a little, like you said, a bubble. Like there'll be like a little spot on the water where there's no birds. <laughs> it's like everything else is covered up, but they won't come within 20 yards or something. Yep. Like, so you kind of start to narrow it down and like, oh, there's a dude right there, you know. And um, 
Are you yeah. allowed to decoy? Uh, you can. Yeah, you can. And people do. But if you're a duck hunter, like imagine trying to decoy when there's 20,000 species of the same species. Right. Right. So like pintails. Everybody loves pintails. And mm -hmm. this is the place in the flyway to see them is here. Like there's more pintail that times out here than you'll see anywhere in the world, dude. Wow. 20, I've seen 20 or 30,000 wow. in one spot. What's a pintail? It's a go ahead. Uh, it's a yeah. I just know it as a duck. But yeah, I mean it's a special duck. It's a special duck. Okay, and like it's a special kind of duck. It's it's almost like uh, especially hunters, but probably I, I'm not a I'm not a, a, a quote unquote bird watcher, right? But I am because I hunt. Is it kind of like a rare thing that you just it's a special thing to see? And it's and and they especially in, in the fall here that we don't get them as much as we do mm -hmm. in the spring, and that's the same for snow geese. It's it's weird that like they they're traveling different routes to go mm -hmm. down and back up, and so uh, pintail is a it's it's like um, you can get a mallard anytime you want in Great Falls okay. in, in our area. It's a regular old thing. It's okay. a regular old thing. Okay. But then once you get into like pintail wood duck. You know, some things like this. Wigeons. Oh. Wigeons. And so a pintail, yeah, it does look cool. It sticks okay. out. They do have like a, a pintail. They have like kind oh, of a, okay. a longer, and I'm not sure if it's both mallards and drakes, or I'm sorry, um, drakes and hens. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure if it's both of those, but one of them does have a longer tail on it that comes to a very distinct point. So a pintail you can identify from a ways away because you can see that mm -hmm. that point on it. Okay. The, the other thing is there's a couple other things about the bird. One, it's um, it's extremely brilliant looking. Like it's mm -hmm. everybody sees mallards like oh, but this bird when you see it, the colors are fantastic. It's like shiny. And uh, it's it, not as shiny. It's just the shape and it's the fastest bird out there. Like like it's like the F sixteen of ducks. Oh. Oh, I see. And they're big. So you, you can see that. I'm showing Joe a picture now. Good. Okay, but so. you can see that big tail coming off of it, and then it's. Oh. So compared to other ducks, this is like the Plymouth Roadrunner of cars. It just yeah. has a cool <laughs> fin on the back. Yeah. It just looks a little, just a little cooler. Yeah. I mean, it's still a duck, but it's just a cool duck. It's, and, and the, okay, and the hunting side of it, like why people are. So, so we were talking about. Can you hunt them? Yes, they're hunted. But is that another one, or a, that's a wood duck? That's a wood duck. So I, they're just. I didn't really want to sidetrack from what you were doing, okay. but this is this is very rare to get I during see. hunting season. And I would, I've I've seen lots of ducks around here. Never seen one like that. Yeah, I I, I've mean. only in, been hunting looking. for. I've been hunting for eleven or twelve years. I've only got five or six of those. It's that's gorgeous. Great. Okay. And so it's kind you, of the, you won't see them out there. They're they're here, but that's not their habitat. Okay. So, the, yeah, the, the wood duck is wood not, duck is named that way because they're in trees, right? Oh, they're you'll see them wood. on the Missouri River here, but you won't see them out there. Okay. Um, the pintail also um, is when people can hunt them, they don't have the pintail, so they're they molt like all birds. They lose all their feathers. Right now, mm -hmm. they still have their winter plumage, mm -hmm. which is the perfect plumage. Mm -hmm. So, in order to get that bird with the plumage, it's mm -hmm. super hard because. Oh. When they're coming south, there there's nowhere to get them. Okay, where they're fully plumed out. Mm -hmm. When they when they have that long tail, that's why people want them. But um, it's super hard. Wow. So uh, right now they're just. It's like uh, if if you can compare it to another great bird we have here in in Montana, the the sage grouse. Mm -hmm. Very similar. That the sage grouse male only looks the way it does right now. Whoa. The rest of the year it looks like a 
pile of brush. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> wow. Literally. You know, this kind of reminds me of uh, when my kids were playing that, um, that game where you'd be searching for Pokemon. And they're like, oh, but you got to get the rare ones. Yes. You know what I mean? Yes. So this is like a real world version of that game that caught the world by fire. I want, I want to play the real world game though. This sounds cool. Well, it, yeah. the other big <laughs> sighting out there, if you, if you want to, if you're into birding, uh, which you have to be if you hunt or fish or you know if you're an outdoor person, I you, could get into birding. Um, is the Eurasian or these other species that show up? But the Eurasian widgeon is one that occasionally people see out there, and it's it's kind of one of those things where if you're going out there and you want to see one, this is where you can actually do that because mm. birders are really into finding birds in not just the bird but in a specific location oh man so, so like, finding a eurasian widgeon is not a big deal if you go to where they live all the time uh-huh. but they're not that common here so mm. to see one you know let's say there's twenty thousand widgeon and of that maybe a hundred of them are eurasian pretty uncommon pretty cool to see them very hard to see them because they're hard to detect. Well, and also, so Joe, that's that's the Eurasian widgeon right there. And then I'm going to go back to a pintail. Okay, so these are just beautiful. It, the more we talk about it, the more it sounds like this Pokemon game. Yeah. You know? <laughs> but if you if you notice, like, it's, it's like grayish body, black towards the end, little white around the black there, and then the head's kind of a, a reddish. Uh-huh. How would you describe the pintail? Almost exactly how I just described, right? Yeah. And so it becomes like almost just like you're saying the pokey. It becomes like this game mm-hmm. because game. it can hard one that widgeon can be hidden amongst all these pintails. Yeah. And you're like, oh, it's a widgeon. And then yeah. you're looking through a bigger <laughs> scope, right? Get out the big one, right? Yeah. And then you get it out, and you're like, nah, it's just another pintail, right? And you'll spend like two hours doing that. Do you remember until these, you actually get one? Do you remember these stories of people trying to find the Pokemon, like falling off of mountains and getting hit by cars and stuff like that? Right. Does that ever happen to birders? Are they ever putting themselves in weird situations just to look at a pin pin pintail? Uh, I, I would I would assume so. Yeah, I mean, me I just too. Like, I think yeah. <laughs> but I mean, but the cool thing about freeze out is like there's one there's a highway going through. Let's not look. I was going to say that. That's a good tip. Don't pull off on the highway and right. look at birds. Right. Mm. There's, there's plenty of pull-offs to go to. That's right. Go to a, 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 a specified pull-off to park your vehicle because that's what would happen. Because mm. you would pull off and you'd actually probably cause an accident. No, oh, yeah. you wouldn't be the yeah. one in the accident. Because semis go through there. Um, you know, farmers are using that land all, all the time. And so you, you definitely want to use the right area. And that's what I would say is they probably... Um, that would be the, the accident there. And then if a birder ever tried to bird in the fall when there's hunting. <laughs> oh, okay. And so if you're dressing it's up like funny. Tony's saying, you and you're, you're, in a, you're in a ghillie suit Ugh. and yeah. people are trying to hunt birds, like, we, you know, we're camoed up, but you kind of know where the other hunters are. But if you're not ever shooting a gun and you don't have any decoys out and mm-hmm. yeah. you may be behind... Not like people are going to try to shoot you because you camouflage, but you might be behind what they're trying to shoot. And so that might be a time, too, that, that people get injured birding. Man. But I would say it's probably one of the least injury-prone activities you can do. Yeah. <laughs> I was just I was thinking birding always sounded like the safest thing that yeah. you could possibly yeah. do. And then I started thinking about this Pokemon thing. And I'm like, well, maybe they're going to cool places and getting into dangerous situations just to get a picture of these... What are, I mean, arguably super cool looking ducks, you know, hey, yeah. man. 
I could I could see myself doing that. I mean, if there were like guitars in the wild and you could only <laughs> play them in certain caves in a mountain, I might, you know, take up climbing. <laughs> but whenever I'm uh, driving through Freeze Out Lake, I, the first thing that hits me is how beautiful it is. I'm thinking, man, this is beautiful. And then I'm thinking, um, it just looked like a farmer forgot something and flooded his field because it just, I don't know, it looks, it's on this side of the road and then it kind of goes over into that side of the road and you're like, is the road going to be flooded? Is this, what are, what are they doing out here in Fairfield? So I guess my question is, is, is that like a naturally occurring sort of super shallow lake or was that mm-hmm. put there somehow? It, and, a little bit of both. It, it is a playa. So an undrained basin. What? Yes. Is a playa. That's I, a playa. I'm a playa, my friend. Yeah. A big... <laughs> not, a, not a playa. Don't hate the playa. Hate the game. Okay, I'm sorry. Go on. <laughs> so it's an undrained basin. Uh, and in fact, it, historically, before about 1953, I guess it was. I think it was 53 when they sort of established this as a wildlife area. Mm-hmm. Prior to that, uh, there would be bird die-offs because of the bacterial uh, like what would happen is the water doesn't drain it's stagnant in there and it would Mm -hmm. get polluted with bacteria and all sorts of organisms and the birds would actually die in that thing and so what the bureau of reclamation did with uh so bureau of reclamation and the state of montana through i think they used Pittman and robertson dollars so this is money that is collected uh, from the sale of uh, ammunition mm-hmm. and guns. Okay. So that goes into a fund. They use that money to buy land for conservation and hunting purposes. That's how we ended up with Freeze Out. What they did then is they trenched it, built some dikes around it to get mm-hmm. the water so they could move the water around to keep it flowing a little bit. But oh. it's still undrained. Gotcha. Yeah, so, so if you go there right now, as I, I think I mentioned earlier, it, the water is really low right now. So the main lake looks full, hmm. but all of those little lakes around that you were talking about mm-hmm. are mm-hmm. scarcely absent of water. Um, maybe more birds show up and maybe less. I, that's the question. Like right now we're short. There's there's a real shortage of, on average, there should be a lot more birds than there are right now, mm-hmm. say in an average year. But I can't tell whether that's weather, whether it's, you know, whether these birds are flying by, whether they still haven't shown up yet, mm-hmm. but there's a lot less water, um, which can be a good thing in a way, right? If there's less water, but the same amount of birds are all in the same spot. I was going to say, that's going to make it way easier it, to find the birds because yeah. you don't have to go to any of these other little ponds and stuff. You I, know, they're going to be at the main lake. Yeah. I mean, you just kind of, you know, if you come, if you're coming from Great Falls and you come out of Fairfield... As you leave Fairfield within about a mile, if you look off to the left, you pretty much see the whole place. Mm-hmm. And from there, you can pretty much see what's out there even. Like if you right. were able to look at the lake, you can see these birds down there. And it's it's a great way to kind of scope out and see where stuff's at too. Hmm. Cool. Um, and there's going to be a, an event coming up we mentioned before by uh, some, <clears throat> some cool people in Shoto. Um, the Wild Wings event. It's going to be March 22nd through the 24th. Hey. Uh, and today's wait. the 18th. So. I think it's the 27th through the 29th. You're correct, because this one says 2019. <laughs> this Which is good, because this <laughs> podcast comes out the 24th. This yeah. page is... This is this page so is so it is the 27th through the 29th. 27th through the 29th. And, w- and what is... What is it's, it's not Buffalo Wild Wings. What is it? 
<laughs> well, uh, so uh, Dropstone Outfitting is organizing this, and Dropstone, I think they're maybe maybe mm-hmm. maybe Joe, you can you get the page up. Maybe we can look at the more details there. There's there's stuff to do. Like there's people to talk to, and mm-hmm. you know you can go hang out with other like-minded birders. Yeah, I, I had an old one. I've got their web page up. Um, I want to try to find. Circus camp trips, trip resources. So dropstoneoutfitting.com if you guys want to go there and find the thing that I can't seem to find. But maybe we'll deal. <laughs> the, the name of the event is Wild Wings. And it's, it, it, it's utilizing the migration of the snow geese as the focal point of the sort of the purpose for gathering. Mm-hmm. But they have also brought in some speakers. I think there might be a discount at the hotel or something. If you go to Shoto and want to do their thing, like drop the drop stone name, maybe they give you a red carpet. I don't know, but there's I'm stuff to do. I'm going to continue searching. Okay. You guys talk talk so, amongst yourselves. And so, so <laughs> this Wild Wings event will be in Shoto though. Not not like at Freeze Out Lake. So it's both. Like okay. they, so you can. I, one of the things they do is they offer. I, I believe they have vans, so you can actually get some interpretation. Go with some folks who know the area. Drive out there with them. I don't know if it costs money. I don't know if it's. I I don't know that much about that part of it, but I do know they're scheduling some drives and. I think in the past there might even have been, this would be a good business opportunity. Uh, well, I don't know if you can do it either. I don't know if you can do commercial activities, but like coffee and stuff, it's cold in the morning, right? And oh, right. Yeah. Like there might be a hundred cars that freeze out, you know, and there's all these people that want something hot to drink. So I don't know if they got something like that going on. Or Great place to park a food truck, right? Like a, yeah. a, a coffee, oh, yeah. coffee donut food truck. Yeah. Yeah. You'd bank if you could do that. I'd check with the... It's actually managed by the Montana Department of Fish, Wildlife, Parks. Uh, it's state-run. Are there uh, people out at... So there's a there's a main building out there, and that's like the main parking lot, and there's a couple roads that go from there to lead to other parking areas. This time of year, there's got to be somebody out there yeah. all, the, all the time, pretty much. Yeah, and, and those guys are... There's actually some full-time folks, and they, they, they also have an upland game presence as well. So they also manage it for pheasant and... Uh, uh, sharp tail. I believe mm-hmm. there's some sharp tail. There might be some huns, but pheasant is like the big thing out there. Yep. So it's often hunted for that. There's and some pheasants for other forever land that mm-hmm. abuts it that connects to freeze out wildlife management area. So there's definitely a presence. The 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 manage, local manager will be out there. Um, nice guy. I mean, the, the nice thing about that is is freeze out is that it's still kind of a place where you can go and recreate and hang out. And there's the camping is free. So, mm-hmm. so they have places to put a trailer. Uh, it's 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 primitive, so it's not like there's a plug-in. But there are places to park campers to put up a tent, um, and and they don't charge for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've seen that during actually in the fall when people are hunting out there, mm-hmm. there'll be a couple campers so that they're out there bright and early, and you don't have to drive the forty-five minutes from Great Falls to get out there, which is what I always do. But yeah, yeah it'd be pretty cool to to camp out there too. Yeah, there's and there's there's people that come from all over. I mean, it's a pretty well known place to come watch birds. So there be people from all over Montana, if not farther. Oh yeah, because um, that's what I was telling Joe to explain to him as well. Like, so we were both on the same page. I was like, if you've seen a picture of a flock of snow geese, 
99% chance it was taken at freeze out. Mm-hmm. And so like photographers from all over, birders from all over, this is like uh, a world series is, yeah. is, is coming to, to freeze out lake uh, this time of year. And so for all of our listeners, and, I, and Joe, mm-hmm. I can see you still searching. You're just not finding it. It's yeah, okay. I, can't find it. I sent him a message actually and said, hey, I'm uh, to Dropstone Outfitting. I was like, hey, I'm looking for your updated um, flyer because the one online is only 2019. So we'll see if they get back to me in real time. Oh, that'd be pretty cool. Yeah. We're, yeah, you know. Maybe, maybe, I'll just, live a little bit maybe I'll text the owner right now. Yeah, just text him and say, hey, man, we don't, we're looking. I know her, so. Like, we'll I'll just text her. And if, and if it's on the menu and I'm just, uh, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, is it under trips? Is it under trip recent reservations, contact? I just don't see where the thing is. But I know it's, and I will say I like this time of year because I live up in, uh, here in Great Falls, I live in Riverview. And <clears throat> I, I noticed, so I've been living up there for about three years. And it was one or two years ago that um, I was like, what is that racket outside? And where did the sun go? And I walk outside and it's just snow geese flying overhead, like millions of them, it, it seemed like. And I was like, what? Is it the end? T-? It seemed like it was the end times, like a, <laughs> like a Stephen King movie, mm-hmm. you know? And uh, I checked on it, did a little research, and I was like, oh, this is the freeze out lake. They're all headed someplace. They just, we must be in there on their highway. Well, and, and like the the wind will push them a little bit here and there, so you're not going to get it every year, right no. over your house. But uh, but sometimes there was this year, and I just you start to see the V's. They 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 fly in that cool V, and then there's like tons of like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of V's, and you're like, what's happening? Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's really cool. I'm not even trying to do bird watching, and I get awesome bird watching. <laughs> you know, we we're pretty lucky here in Great Falls because we have the the river that flows right through, so we get Canadian geese all the time. Uh, that, that they fly right over almost everybody's house in Great Falls because they're going in different directions from the river, and you get you get tons of that. I I really like it. Yeah, and and at certain times you can get quite a few pintails too. Like uh, not so many this year, but there have been in the past years when the freeze out is still frozen. Uh, a lot of those birds will come over here and land on the river right at Giant Springs. So it's a good place to go check there, too. And there's another, you know, uh, I don't know if we should mention uh, Benton Lake, too. Oh, yeah. Um, that's another cool place to, I mean, a lot of people probably haven't been out there. You know, they, it's 20 miles north of town. And mm-hmm. it if it's just, even that far. Yeah. It's not that far. Probably less. Maybe Eight. 12. What, yeah. What's yeah. It somewhere what, in there. What's yeah. it on your way to? What's, what's it on your no, way to? Nowhere. Nothing. It's just Nothing. its own road. It's you go out on there. its way a to itself. Farm. That yeah. thing. Cool. Gotcha. I, I think you drive through there. If you're going to go what I call the weird way to Tiber Reservoir. You can go, you can go on that road, mm-hmm. and it, I think it's called Bootlegger Trail, actually. Yeah, I think they, that's right. you, it goes right there. And so if you go a weird way to Tiber, um, which mainly dirt road, you can go that way. But essentially, you're going to get pavement. When the pavement stops, make a left. Okay, that's, that, right. That's, that's right. As soon as the pavement stops, make a left. If you go straight, you're going to get to Tiber in about an hour. <laughs> but if you make a left, you'll be at Benton Lake Refuge. And... Uh, you know, I, I've had, uh, mm-hmm. with some of my friends, that's actually the first place I ever waterfowl hunted was mm-hmm. at, at Benton Lake um, 12 years ago. And uh, recently, though, it hasn't had a ton of water in it. It's been... Same thing, right? Yeah, the it, drought. It, it's just been hmm. the drought, and it's been, yeah. it's been tough. They actually, I remember a couple of years ago, they said, you know, if you brought out a blue tarp and put your decoys on top of the blue tarp, you might trick a couple birds into landing, because <laughs> they still want to fly over. Sure. 
And I'm like, I'm not bringing a tarp. That's so weird. I can't do that. I got to find water somewhere. You know, yeah. I'm not going to put my decoys on a tarp. But they said it, it might work. And I'm like, I'm not, I'm not I mean, we were trying. Just maybe if you could film it. Maybe I know, right? just to film it yeah. and show people like it's this like, actually works. They tried to land on my tarp. But where'd my, where'd my wood pile cover go? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, so it's it's been it's been uh, it's been a little dry as of recently, but it's still a cool place. Just like you were mentioning, out of freeze out, you get eagles. There's falcons, there's eagles, mm-hmm. there's coyotes, there's pheasant, um, all tor- all sorts of. Um, uh, I don't want to insult any birders that might be listening, but little tweety birds, yeah. right? Like little teeny. Um, you're gonna see the our, our meadow lark. You're gonna see all all sorts of different things out there. Um, really cool. And again, it's very similar to freeze out on a smaller scale. There's dikes that'll take you all over there. Mm-hmm. And if uh, for hunting season, they close down about two thirds of it mm-hmm. that you can still go out and bird, and you won't be around hunters because hunters aren't allowed on those certain dikes. There's only about three dikes that you're allowed on as a hunter, and on one of them, you can only hunt on like one side of it right and so birders can still go out in the fall out there Mm -hmm. and actually be relatively safe and watch the birds and because there's hunters scaring all the birds away you're gonna get more birds yeah because all the hunters out there are like they're all over there in the area we can't hunt you know we're all all crabby about it but if you were a birder you would be super super excited yes Um, and i think that similarly it is uh undrained i don't think there's a there's not an outflow, so it's just basically what water shows up there, mm-hmm. uh, stays there, or evaporates. And so this year, I haven't been out there, but um, it's—I've been told it's pretty low. Yeah. Which, I mean, think about it. You know, we 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 think of drought mostly because we hear our friends and some relatives who are farmers maybe talk about the impact of the drought and mm-hmm. it's hurting everything. But um, I mean, right now. Uh, there's not water like a lot of these ducks these pintails especially they are prairie birds so they're headed from here up into saskatchewan and alberta and and to some extent in montana Mm -hmm. and they they breed and lay their uh, eggs in prairie pothole areas where these little ponds out on the prairie and if those things are dry there are not pintails they don't they're not like a mallard Mm -hmm. they have a very very narrow niche where they breed or and where they lay their eggs and how much time they have i mean it's it's within days like literally that's how tight this is and so pintails have always been uh i think people are more careful with them we have different regulations for them there's different ways they're treated because their habitat's on the decline and now you add to the drought and so you know it's not just farmers it's not just people it's actually the wildlife that are suffering and um you know i like pintails I like to see lots of pintails. Right, right. Well, and and I think there's 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 also another side of that too that there is a, a natural. I think we might be experiencing some more unnatural, but there is a natural like drought cycle that sure. we do go through. I mean, they call us like like high elevation desert almost, right? Mm-hmm. Where we're up here in Montana, and so we do have a natural kind of drought cycle, and it's it's I would assume for some of these areas like freeze out and, and Benton Lake that would naturally be a kind of swamp, but it's stagnant. Mm-hmm. You got to, dr- you got to like drought that out to kind of clear out the disease and then it'll fill back up in a couple years. And I think, uh, I would hope and, and, and yeah, I, I would hope that the, the animals recover after that as well. Right. Um, sure. and so there's, there's, there is some balance there. We'll have a couple drought years and we'll have a couple good years and kind of go, but I know that Benton Lake has, has definitely suffered the last 
quite a while. Sure. You know, it, it's it just from the the decrease in, in water we've had in Montana the last few years. Yeah, yeah. Well, mm. and it's it's still even if uh, you know going out there and going on a little drive is nice. If you you know even with gas prices <laughs> the way they are, um, it's pretty close too. So you can still get out there. There, the thing I like about um, Benton probably of of anything is you can see antelope and deer too. No, oh, right. And yeah. and I just there's just seeing antelope out there is pretty spectacular. <laughs> it's like it's big and flat and wide open, and you'd expect to see antelope. Or the other thing is the owls. There's always owls around there, like mm-hmm. sitting on the post, you know, and like, so um, even if there's not ducks because there's no water, <laughs> you can find other cool stuff. Lots of cool stuff out yeah. there, and I would, I, I don't want to insult anybody, but I would say it's like the poor man's freeze out, right? Like yeah. if you yeah, can't make totally. it, if <laughs> yeah, gas yeah. prices are getting to four dollars a gallon right now, listen, just just go to Benton Lake, yeah, <laughs> and so you don't have to <laughs> go through the whole tank of gas to get out to freeze out and back. Yeah. Okay, I have a question. <laughs> That's funny. Um, if I wanted to go into a hunting or, you know, outdoorsy type store and, or, or purchase something online so that I could watch birds and just get into it, you know, and I want to, let's say, I mean, maybe the, maybe the first question is what do I do to just go out there and how do I choose of the myriad of choices, like a good binocular or set so I can just watch them. Mm -hmm. And then what would be your tip um, if if someone wanted to start taking pictures of them and just kind of get into it for their own own enjoyment, but be able to participate and get mm-hmm. good pics? So two those two questions. I'll, the, mm-hmm. the, I'll take the camera question first. I think um, phones are not quite enough. Um, mm-hmm. There's just not enough zoom on a phone to capture an image that you could maybe use or print. Okay. Um, so I see, I bring that up only as not what to do, is not what is in more what not to do, is mm-hmm. try and get close enough to get a photo of a duck with your phone. Okay. Do not try that. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. it just, it's fruitful. Right. Um, not fruitful, I should say. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so um, if you want to take, sort of begin to take photographs, mm-hmm. uh, good photographs, I think any... Um, entry-level DSLR camera, mm-hmm. you know, you're looking at a budget maybe of, you know, three or four hundred dollars. Okay. You could, you can get into some of the newer, they call them mirrorless cameras now, mirrorless uh, SLR cameras. Mm-hmm. There's, there's a little difference between the two, but generally speaking, you need, I would say, minimum of like a hundred millimeters. hundred so millimeters. So if okay. you have, that would sort of be on the, on the, say the short end, but mm-hmm. anything beyond that will actually help magnify the subject, right? So, okay. you know, 100, 200, 300, what most birders use, if you compared for like getting into it with what birders have, they're using mm-hmm. five, six, seven, eight hundred millimeters. Mm-hmm. Then they'll so, go up in price as you go up in I mean, yeah, distance, we're, most we're likely. We're talking, you know, a decent setup, you could get a say a 400 millimeter and a nice camera body for let's say 12 or 1500 Mm dollars um the stuff that we're using is in the 15 to 20. okay so big price difference yeah Um, yeah yeah but you know the the difference is that if you're trying to publish an image versus having a nice photo for your wall Mm -hmm. like you can create a really nice photo for your wall without a twenty thousand dollar camera setup Right. Okay. So, but if you want your, let's say I want to have, if you're trying to compete with the rest of the universe who is taking photographs and covers of magazines, then there isn't really a, a way around that. So, 
Right. You got to spend about seven, eight grand on the camera, about seven, eight grand on a good lens. Yeah, it's coming down range. now. I mean, okay. really, like, like I, I think I think you could probably do professional quality for right out of the box, right around four or five thousand now. Like Whoa. that would be kind of where you want to start. Okay. Um, you could do publishable images with less than that, but the the thing is the the lenses. That's where the the cost kind of goes up. So you're looking yeah. at, you know, thousand bucks, fifteen hundred bucks for the bottom end of a lens that would do okay, mm -hmm. um, and then another couple, maybe a thousand eight hundred for a camera body. So maybe it's three thousand, mm -hmm. you know, just just to get in it. Um, as far as um, yeah, I mean, and the other thing about going out, like, I, the, the the thing that I think keeps people from spending time outside is the weather. Mm -hmm. So so I love to be out in the weather, but I'm prepared for it. So if mm -hmm. you go out to freeze out and you've got a nice lens or your binoculars, and we can talk a little bit more about binocular side, but just bring gloves, bring a hat, like, be warm. Because mm -hmm. if you're warm, you're actually going to see stuff. Yeah. Because now we got binoculars, right? So mm -hmm. a 10 power, eight, eight to 10 powers about where you want to be. I wouldn't go much beyond 10 if you're kind of getting into binoculars. Mm -hmm. um, it becomes really hard to hold binoculars with more than 10 power. Okay. Um, to clarify on that, not because they're like super heavy or anything, but the, the more magnification you have, the more vibration you're going to see. Handshake, okay. hand yes. stuff gotcha. like that. Right. Hmm. And so one trick, one <laughs> trick is the, you, the colder you get, the worse it becomes, right? right? So. And one trick is when you're holding your, your binos, also hold the bill of your hat. You can do that. Or you get a tripod just like you would for uh, a camera and they have mounts mm -hmm. uh, for your binoculars. But uh, 10 power is about as high as you want to go without without putting them on something yeah. literally yeah. mounting them to something else yep. i mean gotcha. i i was um i was hunting in mexico a number of years ago and there was one of the guys that was with us is a uh, a mexican hunter and he was so this would have been outside hermosillo quite a ways actually almost almost to the sea there and this guy was 85 but 87 like he didn't really know when he was born but somewhere in there <laughs> And he was, I'm not kidding, he was using a pair of 15-power binoculars. Oh, wow. You know, which is, not only is it crazy to do in Mexico because of the mirage. I mean, that's the other thing. When you get more magnification, it magnifies whatever's in the air. Mm -hmm. So when it's warm, you see those heat waves. Like, yep. you, you get out to 15, and it starts to be, like, you can't see anything anyway because, right? So, anyhow, um but he could literally spot these sheep. We were we were hunting desert sheep, like three miles away <laughs> through a pair of fifteen power binoculars. He's like eighty five years old. So, <laughs> so I mean, there's a there are people who can actually do the fifteen power, but that ain't me. And it's mostly not people we know. Like right. it's really a skill. You got to be an eighty five year old, you, yeah, ne native Mexican <laughs> in order to do that. Right. You have to not know when you were born. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> then you can hold the fifteen power binos. <laughs> and not to yep. mention, like a, a ten power bino, you can get even at, at Walmart or anywhere else, and they're they're going to be cheap. The, the yep. higher power you go. Price range? What do you think? Oh, you can actually get a set for fifty bucks. Yeah. Fifty bucks. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you'd be right. You in can there. go up to three thousand though too if you want. Yeah, I was going to say crazy. you can get a ten power for three grand too, and the, that's just going to be we could go down a whole bunny trail. Yeah. But we'll just say the clarity of the glass. Well, that's why I ask though, because I when I would go online, I would I, I always like to like I don't want to I don't want to spend money that's not going to work. 
you know? So when someone's like, well, 50 bucks and this is the great, greatest binoculars ever. I'm always like, ah, I probably have to spend 300, but you're saying no, the ones, as long as they're 10 power, at least eight to 10. And they, they come with a warranty, I guess. <laughs> right. And, and, and so like for, for me personally, uh, again, this, this feels like a bunny trail down by nose, but, <laughs> nah. um, there's, there's like you, that brand you're talking about is probably a Bushnell. Uh, like the so Walmart, almost Walmart, not, oh, okay. not necessarily Walmart, mm-hmm. but Bushnell. And the glass just isn't, when you get to the edge of the glass, it's not going to be as clear. So mainly if what you're doing is just going to look at birds once or twice a year, mm-hmm. it works. Oh, okay. And then for me, I'm not up at the, the higher end, um, that Tony, you might be at, but I go with either Vortex or Leopold and they're going to be like a mid range. So for that same bino, you're probably... Th- 120 to 200 okay and then you can go up to Swaro mm-hmm. and you're probably looking at about a grand and it, and again it's just the difference in the the glass and and how they make it and then um okay. the, the the sturdiness and warranty and you, you get into all that stuff but people spend more money on those if you're spending almost every day that right looking for your eyes are going to get really tired looking through glass that isn't super clear because hmm. it's always trying to like change the focus um, because it, it's just not clear glass. And so if you're spending a lot of time behind binos like I do during hunting season, I spend a little bit more money. I've actually been thinking about going up another level, right? Just because like okay. I do get a little um, eye fatigue. I guess that's the best mm-hmm. way to say it, some eye mm-hmm. fatigue. Mm-hmm. So if you're like Tony, <laughs> you need to know how many birds are out there, when they're coming, and, and you're doing that every day, you're probably spending more money. On, you're you're going to spend as, whatever it takes to get the best you can get. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm I mean, the, it, 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 when you do the math on some of this photography, it, you start to – the amount of money that you put into getting the photos, like the gear becomes – over time inconsequential. It's like, mm-hmm. no, I just spent $8,000 to get here. Like, I'm not going here with something I can't come home with the best possible thing. Right. Mm-hmm. right. And here, here, meaning any of the um, hunts that you've been on sure. and stuff like that, where you're going to Alaska, Africa, New Zealand. Or even you if know. you're a big time birder. I mean, you know, any of that. If you want to do, if, maybe you do something else, but the more you do it, the better product you need to do it with. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, it becomes sort of like, I just have to have the best because I'm spending a lot of time and money to do that thing, right? Mm-hmm. So you, it's like, okay, I'm going to go to Florida and ding darling or whatever down there and look at birds and I'm going to bring a you know, $50 pair of binoculars. Like, uh, this is a trip of a lifetime. Get up to the two or 300 and you will have a much better experience. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. yeah. Hmm. But if you're just running out and the kids, you want the kids to have something, you want to look through it, they'll work. A $50 uh, the, yeah. pair. The totally $50 work. pair will absolutely work, especially if you're only going to pull it out once or twice a year. Well, that's yep, good definitely. info. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Now I know. Awesome. And then, so to go down this gear a little bit more, because I'm kind of a gear nut anyway, uh, especially when it comes to like the outdoors, what are you, what are you wearing? You know, besides the ghillie suit. Clothes the ghillie suit. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, wow. Um, for, for the waterfowl, um, I don't even know the brand anymore. I mean, I have a little bit of everything, right? Literally. <laughs> like, I have, mm-hmm. um, but the, just let's just do waterfowl. Um, you know, uh, gee whiz. I'm trying to think of the, the. Uh, I think it was called shadow grass. I think shadow grass is the pattern, right? So this is a product, and lots of companies make 
different kinds of, of camouflage. And, and I happen to be using these. I, it's like that. I don't want to say, I guess it's the best stuff they make, mm -hmm. but I'm not buying it. Okay. <laughs> right. Like right. in other words, I have all this stuff, but I don't buy the stuff. I'm not saying that you need to run out and spend a thousand dollars on a pair of, of flyway bibs and a flyway coat and the clubs and the hat, like all of that stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, it's very expensive, but it works well. The key is to stay warm it, because when you're outside, so if I go get in the, if I get in my little blinder, if I'm in my ghillie suit and I'm sitting on the edge of the pond and waiting for these birds to come in and out, I literally can be there long enough that I have to figure out what I have to do to go to the bathroom. Mm -hmm. We're talking a day, mm -hmm. all day long. Right. If things work out right and you're in the spot, you can't leave. Ooh. So you're getting there when it might be 30 degrees, frost on everything. You're covered with your coveralls. I'll wear a, a full bib coverall, thick, insulated, waterproof with a big, heavy coat. And then maybe I'll peel that back as it warms up, mm -hmm. but I'm prepared to stay there all day. Right. And if you're going to lay on the ground or next to the water or kind of in it, I bring a nice pad for to sit on, or I have a little tiny stool that it might work. Sometimes the mud's wrong for that, mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. but so I'll always bring a little pad and a nice stocking hat, good gloves, and sometimes I go out there and I'm there for a half an hour and I'm like, this isn't going to work, so I leave. Mm -hmm. But I'm prepared to stay all day, and so um, that that equipment, those clothes, are really meant to hide you, conceal you, and keep you warm. Yeah. If you're not going to be out for, let's say, three or four hours, then you can get by with a lot less. But I still, if you're going to go out and and bird, um, it's nice to wear just mauve colors, you know, too. Like, you don't necessarily have to get all the camo. If you want to do the photography thing, you do. Like, you, you can sit in your car, which is probably better mm -hmm. than hiking on the dike mm -hmm. to get bird photos. Because... Mm -hmm. If you go to if you go to freeze out and you park next to the water when the birds are around, you probably get better pictures from your car than walking on the dike because they're wild birds. They can see you, yeah. but they see cars all the time. Right. So and they're so not, the cars are kind of a natural yeah, thing. Yeah. They're not really spooked of them, right? Hmm. Um, so you're better off sitting in the car to get better photos if if you aren't going to be willing to sit in the mud for hours on end with lots of expensive gear and camouflage right <laughs> right <laughs> right and so the, the, you, what we're seeing here is there's there's two worlds and so if you want to go all out and and be out there all day and get like like the next uh national geographic magazine cover <laughs> you're gonna need an expensive camera expensive binos and and lots of gear to keep yourself warm and comfortable mm -hmm. and probably a catheter Okay. No. Maybe a catheter. You know, you know, so, something so that you're not like moving around to, to use the restroom. An empty water bottle. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> I, I wasn't going to go there, but I, I hope everybody kind of knows that anyway. That's kind of okay. what you do. Um, but then, but then also like it, this is this is attainable. This freeze out migration is attainable to bring your kids out, sit in your 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 van, your car, keep the heat on, maybe even play a movie for the kids. And, and you can watch until, you know, that takeoff comes in. Or if you mm. show up a little later, they're going to come back and forth and back and forth. The eagles are going to move them around. And if you just got a 50 pair of binos from, from Walmart or North 40 or Shields or I don't think Bighorn sells binos. They might, though. Or Bighorn. Then uh, you can get out there and you can 
Yeah, you you can enjoy yourself, and and honestly, uh, one thing I was gonna mention, the the cheater's way to have a really nice lens on your camera um, is to buy a spotting scope. So you buy a spotting scope that people use for hunting. They're over in the hunting right next to the binos. You can get a mount for your car window, and then you get a thing called a phone scope. And it's a it, you've, you might have seen it in my truck. It's it's right in between us when you ride in the truck with me, Joe. Uh, it's, it replaces the cover on my phone, and then I can mount it right onto my... Um, Wow, I just lost spotting scope. spotting scope. Wow, that word was gone. That was gone out of my brain. Uh, but I can mine it right onto my spotting scope, and I can see quite a ways. And I've got quite a lot of pictures when I go scouting for antelope, mm-hmm. my favorite animal, by the way. Ooh. When I go spotting for antelope or I go looking for elk before hunting season, that's, that's how I do it because I don't have a really expensive you know, camera. Now, the things you're going to run into is you're not going to have the high speed lens. You're not going to have choice over your ISO or shutter speed or any of those things. And so you just got to get lucky mm-hmm. that, that you just got to get lucky that you can take that like National Geographic cover. But, um, <laughs> but essentially you can get good photos to share with people and say, Hey, I was there when this happened. Good mm-hmm. enough for that. Yeah, okay. Um, and a, and a spotting scope's going to... One of the trade-offs these days is uh, the, the phone technology is so good. With I was saying earlier, it's hard to get good duck photos. But with with these geese, the, the, I think videos is, is more impressive. So hmm. if you're standing on the road uh, or standing next to the water or something and these birds are getting up, like the video that these cameras can create will make you a superstar, dude. Because mm-hmm. they will fly over you. Like if you're in the right spot... They'll come right over you so loud and so dramatic, and you'll just be like, unreal. Like, yeah. So the video, I would choose over the photos all day with a phone. And I've actually noticed okay. that when doing scouting and using my phone scope with my spotting scope is I'll take video instead because sometimes the quality of the picture isn't that great because there's vibration from all different things. Mm-hmm. And when you, when you go a mile away and you're trying to take a picture with your phone, it's pretty hard. But when I go video whatever technology is inside the camera makes it look way better. And, and I can see like a deer or an antelope and I can see it as it's moving and not just like this still fuzzy picture. You know? yeah, 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 yeah. And so that's, that's a good tip. That's, yeah. a, that's another good tip right there. Yeah, you should, you should plan to take some video if you have a phone. And um, when you play it back, make sure that uh, it's recording the audio. Sometimes you can record, like a lot of times there are times, I think, on some of these apps where you can actually turn the audio off. And so you're getting video, but there's no noise. Mm-hmm. You need the noise. Like yeah. with birds, you need to hear them. Right. And I, I, I haven't been out to freeze out for this moment. We've already mentioned that. But there was one time I was, uh, I was out in eastern Montana, and it looked like this uh, farmer's land had just been burnt. It looked like he lost thousands of acres mm-hmm. to fire. Well, it was actually Canadian geese in a flock. And we mm-hmm. parked and pulled over once we realized it was geese so we could just see this uh, this huge flock. I have no idea how big it was. It was just the biggest flock of Canadian geese I've ever seen. And when they took off, I'm sure it's similar to what happens at freeze out. It's just this like almost mushroom cloud. Mm-hmm. But the guy, he had walked back to my vehicle. He was in the front car that originally pulled over. He'd walked back to my vehicle and we were talking through the window. My window was down. We couldn't talk because how loud yeah. the geese were. And that, that's something that you'll, you'll totally miss if you're, not, if you're not recording audio when you're out there because yeah. it's the sound that's, that's unbelievable. And snow geese sound it. cool. Snow geese sound oh. really cool. Yeah. 
you got to have the audio. It's and you can hear it from a long way away, you know. Mm. So, yeah. Um, I mean, I I almost. I almost like the video better. I always take video when I'm out there mm-hmm. of the ducks, of the geese, everything with my other cameras, just because I like to watch it back. And, you know, it's uh, the animation part of it. Um, it just comes alive. I mean, it's one thing you see a great photo, but I think the video's a lot more impressive, especially right. if snow geese. If you can get them to fly, if you get in front of them, like, here's a little secret. Um, and just try and remember this and pay attention. It's hard to remember because you're excited. Mm-hmm. These birds will take off into the wind. So mm-hmm. when they're on the water, unless they're spooked by something, they generally are predictable mm-hmm. how they're going to leave the water and how they're going to come back to it. So they, they're like an airplane, always lands and takes off into the wind. Mm-hmm. So if you put the wind to your back and then look out in front of you, that would be the direction. Now, you might not be able to get in front of them, right because of the way the wind's blowing right mm-hmm. but just remember if you can you can you can kind of anticipate the direction of flight off the water and, and so, the way they land by which way the wind is blowing so oh. if if they're on the water have the wind to your back if they're coming back to the water have the wind in your face right cool right no, no because they're, 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 yeah, yeah. No, you want the wind at your back right. both times because right. they're going to fly into the wind both times. There That's right. So, oh. so, and I, I point that out because it, given an opportunity, which you will have at freeze out to be on one side or the other, it's like, where do I go? They're out in this lake. Mm-hmm. I kind of want to be, once they leave, they all pretty much fly to the same place, right? So if you're behind them, let's say, and behind them by that, I mean, they're flying the other direction. Mm-hmm. it's semi-dramatic right it's not quite as cool but if so if you can predict by the fact that they're going to take off into the wind and you can be on that end of the birds and mm-hmm. largely they'll be facing that way when they're on the water mm-hmm. so as they start to get ready to take off they're kind of milling around and you can see some of them jumping up here and there and you can tell okay well they're going to take off to the left or to the right or so try and get yourself oriented even if it's a hundred yards away, mm-hmm. they're going to come over you, mm-hmm. which is the most impressive. And you know, uh, if they're not going over you, it's still cool. But that's a uh, just watch the wind because they're going to take off into it and they're going to land into it as well. And so that's that's definitely as as pro tip as you can get mm-hmm. because we're talking to the pro here. Yeah, that's right. And he's given a tip. That's a that's a that's a trade secret right there. Yeah, I just want to do it now. I feel like hey, I could try that. You yeah. Know? Well, and I think that was the whole goal of us getting here today is is to hope that people right here in Great Falls can realize that we have this world renowned place for birds to go to within forty five minutes, and then give them some tools that they can actually like then go yeah. and do that in enough time that they should be able to still do it. So we we may by the time this this is recorded to published may end up being the peak in between there, but I'm assuming it's going to be just you're, a couple of days after here. You're safe for, for, for birding at freeze out and snow geese well into April. Okay. So Perfect. generally the peak is right around the end of, of March. Okay. But there will be, uh, there's another bird, it's called the Ross's geese, and, and you won't be able to tell the difference. They look oh, okay. just like snow geese. Hmm. But they come on the tail end. So when you start seeing Rosses, you know that the snow geese is ending. Okay. And they're starting to leave. Hmm. But then the, then the Rosses will start coming in. I've never even heard of a Ross. They're just smaller. Oh, okay. And the other thing to look for, here's, here's something else to remember. 
find the blue goose. There will always be a blue one out there somewhere. So within these flocks of white birds, there'll be a blue one somewhere. Maybe five or six in the whole area, but they're there. And to try to get, I have, I like to try to photograph them. If you can find one and stick on it, because they're really, they are blue. So it's, it's some sort of a genetic thing, right? But they're, uh, if you see a darker bird out there, that a uh, couple other things uh, that are fun, if, if you get the kids too, is collared uh, swans. Get the number, and you can enter them on the internet. There's a f- place for them. So right. these, so when they put a, they put these collars to track these birds, right? Swans, the big, mm-hmm. tall, white ones. Um, if you can record that number, you can actually find out where that bird was tag- tagged and kind of the history of the bird. If it's been, if it's, if it's that number's been called in any other time in its life, you'll know where that was and when it was, and they're going to give you a pretty close. Um, age guess as sure, well. Sure. Um, and so some of those swans, they can actually get into their 20s. Um, yep. I think even some of the older ones will get even into their 30s uh, with, with some of these birds. They can get pretty old. I mean, their their average lifespan is much shorter than that, but some of them that have been tagged or collared have, mm-hmm. have gotten even older. And that's really cool to know because uh, for me, so the for hunters, you're looking for tagged tagged ducks that, that have banded, uh, banded yeah. ducks on them. And so I've only gotten one in 12 years. I've only gotten one. And I called in the number and it was tagged six months prior, right where I had shot it. (laughs) And they're like, it's your friend. uh, Like literally, (laughs) they're like, you've you've shot a baby and it lived right there. Damn you. And I just felt like horrible. (laughs) I wanted a cool experience. He was hunting at Gibson's pond or something. Right. (laughs) It was out at Benton Lake, actually. It was out at Benton Lake. And uh, it had been netted there. It had been tagged there and uh yeah dang it yeah um but it it would be cool to get a cool report from from a swan and be able to show the kids like hey this thing's been down to mexico and it's come back up or california thousands of miles away and it's going thousands of miles from here and it's it's just really cool yeah so so you and it's something you just have to remember to look for you Mm -hmm. know when you see the swans uh, is, is try to find, it's a, when I say collar, it's a, you'll notice it's probably four inches wide and it goes around their neck and it has a big black number on it. Mm-hmm. I think there might even be different colored ones too, but, oh, okay. uh, there's tundra swans out there. Uh, so, uh, I, I don't know if there's different color, but I, I believe there are. Um, let's see what else. So there's the blue, the blue snow geese, the collared, uh, swans, uh, those are the two big ones that are kind of fun. And, and they have stories, you know, like the, 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 the tag has a story that the collar does. Mm-hmm. So it, it makes it fun to find out, like, where's this bird from, like you said, and where's it going, and how old is it? Looks it, like um, we have a... Is that not... Is that what they look like? Oh, sorry, I touched it, but... Um, which the, one? That one. That says a blue-winged goose. I was no, trying to figure out, like, what no, it will like. No, it'll look like... This is a Ross's here. Yeah, that's um, what they're saying. Oof. So this is a Ross's goose. See the nose and the, the beak's a lot smaller. Okay. Um, then, but this maybe looks more like what that would look like. Okay. Uh, but it, it's it, it's literally maybe. a snow goose, Joe. That is blue. It's it's got a like genetic deficiency. Okay. And so yeah. it's blue. Yeah. It it might even it has the head might even be a little closer to darker brown. Oh, oh here. gotcha. Here's some. See the you okay. can see the variations in them. Those are great. Okay, yeah. gotcha. Yeah. yeah, I was trying to uh, 
Because now I'm thinking, I want to go find a blue goose. Yeah, it's, like a it's little like Pokemon an, game. I was never oh, into the Pokemon yeah. game, but now all of a sudden, I just <laughs> I want to participate. Right, right. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah, yeah, so even if we don't get an opportunity in the next week or so, Joe, I think uh, next week we got to plan a time that you and I can get out there and and yeah. take some pictures and, and see some stuff. Yeah. I think I, I'll mention one one thing that I, that I meant to earlier, and that is um, when you're observing these large flocks of birds, um, you'll, you, you probably will notice if you look on the water, there will be some dead ones. And mm. there's all kinds of reasons birds die, right? But one of the... One of the reasons that the eagle, or at least the eagle, takes advantage of the fact that when all of these birds move, they hit each other, and some oh. die. So when they get off, if you're paying attention, you will often see one that gets whacked or that breaks a wing or something, and it's kind of fallen through the rest of them, and it'll land on the water. Uh, so, so that fact that they get up that way all it, at once is okay. chaotic, and it can injure a bird or two or three. And so if you're, ah. let's say it's, it's um, right around April 1st and there's been, you know, snow geese out there for a week or a couple weeks anyway, you'll see them kind of dead along the edges of the lakes around there. But, it, but that's they, collision. Also, they also shouldn't be worried about that. that right. That, I'm, that's what I'm suggesting. Hmm. I, I, I still don't want to invite someone to go pick up a dead bird, but th- it's a, there's a consequence of that many birds moving that quickly. Okay. Some of them I'm run glad, at each that's, other. That's and some not die. something I would have known. Hmm. Yeah. And so, like, if I would have seen twelve dead snow geese, I'd be like, "Hey, what's what's going right. on here?" Right. You know, it's yeah. it's normal. And so that's good to know. Okay. Yeah. You and 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 literally come around the first of around first of April. If you're in those ponds where there's been a lot of them, you'll see twelve. You hmm. might see twenty. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Kind of like. Um when uh, bicycle races are going and you see them all going and then one guy goes down and everyone goes down around him and not that that guy's dead now but that's that's what it made me think of when everyone's trying to go at the same time yeah. <laughs> and like one guy crashes and man yeah don't be that guy dangerous <laughs> spread out a little bit geese man. Yeah, exactly. and what is that goose saying as it's going down like after it just broke its wing <laughs> hey, because, i'm flying here well yeah like yeah. and his buddy yeah. bill right yeah. Get it, Bill? Yeah. Bill, like, flew, yeah. took off like a jerk, and he's the one, you know, now Jeff. What a terrible driver. Broke his wing and has fallen yeah. down. He's like, oh, come on, Bill. Yep. Yeah. This know? is how I die, really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. You're, you're just lucky you're in the Pacific Flyway. <laughs> They're not hunted. In, there's no spring hunt in the Pacific Flyway. Nope. Hey. Nope. Cool. But, they, yeah, they're still hunting. Well, not still hunting. But there, there is times that, that they can hunt over there right. that's not in our flyway and we actually have two flyways mm-hmm. in montana the pacific flyway is where freeze outs at and mm-hmm. then central flyway is the other side of montana um I don't, so it's Lewis actually uh, yeah it's actually the other side of the high woods so actually oh, you yeah, know what okay. it's our county boundary if you go east of great falls to the count cascade county line that's mm-hmm. where the central, central flyway, flyway starts okay which is where they're I think this year was the first year they had a spring snow goose hunt. So my buddy texted me about that, and there is a spring snow goose hunt in Montana, and I'm like, I've never heard of this, Mm -hmm. ever. And also snow geese, we don't get a ton except in the Pacific Flyway, so I don't know why we would want to try to hunt, unless you had like some 
some farmer that had a pothole somewhere that he always has geese on and you mm-hmm. knew about that, it'd be really hard to hunt uh, that side of the state. This side's a little, I feel a little bit easier. But What do you mean when a, is, is the term flyaway like the location or is it a, a path? The, the North America split into flyways that are the path that they, mm. specific birds will take going north and south. So it is a route that they take, okay. And, 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 and then along this route, no hunting, basically? Or? So so the Pacific Flyway is, is from Cascade County West, United States. Oh, okay. Because, because waterfowl, ducks, snow geese, all of them, swans, mm-hmm. are all um, migratory, it's actually federally run. Inside of oh. each state, they can have different regulations. Because it's cross-state. But... The, the federal, right, so it crosses state lines. And so they want to make sure that, like, Montana doesn't set some weird regulation on hunting mm-hmm. that then ruins it later for New Mexico, okay. right? Mm-hmm. And so um, we're, we're just in the middle of that. Most states are just kind of one flyway. But mm-hmm. we're, we're kind of just in the middle of that. And there's three, I think, mm-hmm. uh, three flyways in the United States. That's how the federal gov- government manages those. Mm. And so they'll set regulations over the Pacific Flyway, the Central Flyway, and Atlantic. Yeah, I, and, uh, and, Eastern, we, and we do that with Eastern Mexico and, and Canada as well. Okay. So mm-hmm. it's all connected north to south. Gotcha. Oh, gotcha. So we're working with other countries yes. as well. Oh, yes. Right. Cool. Yeah, I mean. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, the, which is why we don't have a spring migratory snow goose hunt in the Pacific. Okay. Because they're fed, it's a federal rule, and it goes with Canada, Mexico, U.S., and mm-hmm. they just haven't done it. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying they wouldn't do it or won't. Mm-hmm. What I will go out on the limb and say is the chances of having a freeze-out spring goose hunt are probably pretty slim. Oh, okay. yeah. I, I mean, don't think that's going to happen. <laughs> I, actually, even as a hunter that would yeah. love to hunt snow geese, and I don't get much of an opportunity living in Great Falls to hunt snow geese, one time I've been able to do it where they were going south late enough mm-hmm. that it, it interrupted our snow uh, our hunting season. But usually they're through us before hunting season starts. Mm-hmm. But um, I would love the opportunity to hunt snow geese in Montana. I would hate if they opened up spring at freeze out because it would ruin this, what we're oh. talking about on this podcast. Mm-hmm. If you had a bunch of hunters mm-hmm. out there, the <laughs> birds eventually just start to learn and they're, they're going to split up. It's yeah. going to change their flyway. Mm-hmm. They're going to move. Gotcha. And, and you just wouldn't have this magnificence that we have yeah. right now. That makes I mean, sense. Right it, there. it, it doesn't, doesn't mean that there's not population issues. I mean, which is another discussion probably, but I'm just saying like there, there are reasons to, to manage these bird populations. Mm -hmm. I just don't see where freeze out. Like if there was ever a Pacific hunt, which there could be someday, there's Mm -hmm. enough birds, they're getting populated. Um, maybe outside of that area somewhere, right. up north, right. south, whatever. Yeah. But it wouldn't be right at freeze. I, I can't I, imagine they would. I, I think mm-hmm. we would have some angry citizens. Um, well, even people outside of the states that have been traveling up here almost yeah. every year to come take pictures of snow yeah. geese, they'd be pretty mad if it opened up to hunters. Yeah. And yeah. so, hmm. yeah, don't do that. But uh, I do want to. I do want to point out the time that we had a hard stop, and so okay. we're at that. We're at that hard stop. But we've, we have, uh, as you and I were messaging, we were talking about having some other cool opportunities where you could be our, our well, like we've been having Ashley on as our historic, you know, pro, right? Mm-hmm. And so as different things come up, we can bring sure. Tony in here and maybe another guest or, you know, whatever, yeah. but, but we, can, we can talk about some of these really cool 
uh, photography or hunting or outdoor opportunities because we didn't even really dive into. I really wanted to get a chance to, to kind of find out who you were. Yeah. I kind of wanted to also talk about what kind of tents do you use? What's your what kind of cooker do you use? You know, all of this uh, stuff because I really man. like Joe. Joe and I went Christmas tree hunting together and I got to pull out my cooker and, you know, make coffee and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And I get I get totally I nerd out on Good. all that stuff. So we'll, we'll have to have you back on, especially Good. now that you're here in Great Falls. We'll, we'll have more opportunities. Yeah. Um, but is there anything else we want to we want to tie a bow on? Is there anything else we want to make sure that we we mention? Um, definitely check the links as we, uh, we'll have a week here before we post it, that if we can find links from Dropstone outfitting about their event, uh, wild wings that's going on, check the, the show notes and that there'll be a link there for that. Mm-hmm. There'll be, uh, I'm going to put one in there for Dropstone anyway, uh, so that you have Dropstone there. I'm going to put one to Tony's website mm-hmm. and his social media. So you'll have all that stuff there. And, uh, yeah. Is there anything else guys? No, I just appreciate you guys having me on. I look forward to doing more. I, l- I love talking about gear, too, and anything outdoors, outdoor media-related. I mean, we can go all over the place, so uh, I appreciate that. And um, I hope people come back and just pay attention to the schedule that you're creating here because I feel like um, you're focused on uh, local people doing local things, interesting subjects that we can all participate in more or less. Right. I mean, right. Mm-hmm. you can right. go see it, taste it, feel it, whatever the case. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, um, I really like that. Um, I love, I keep saying history too. I love it. I love it. Like, Oh, uh, just wait. Yeah. I think it's April 7th, April 7th. There's one that you're going to really enjoy that we've already recorded. That'll be coming out. And, and it's, I don't want to say our favorite, but it, it's definitely like you kind of have categories, right? And I, I'm really excited about this history one as we continue following that thread. Mm-hmm. And we'll, we're going to have, at least for a season, we're going to have a history one every month to make sure we have that. And maybe we have an outdoor one every month or who knows? Who yeah. knows what Hit we're doing Hit the music here. scene. Grab the guitar. That's right. That's right. You know, well, that's what we're here for us musicians to uh, write stories about the cool hunts and the cool bird migrations that are coming through. You know, the fish stories and all that stuff. You wouldn't remember it without us. So I think it's a good symbiotic relationship. It was really cool to have you on. And I look forward to more stories and more information and just talking about more cool Montana stuff. Well, and if you had like some treacherous trips out in the wild... <laughs> Right, because yeah, you, we could do that show too. Right, <laughs> where like we just tell some really cool stories yeah. of some crazy stuff that you've done. I'd yeah. love that too. Mm-hmm. I think that'd be fun. Yeah. All right. All right. Whenever we close out, um, we we try to do the you you've heard it, but we've been inviting guests in to to join us, and so um, I'm going to say I've been Brian, and then you're going to say I've been Tony, and then Joe's going to say I've been Joe, and then we're all going to say we'll see you next show. Okay. Okay. That sounds good. Thank you for listening. Sharing is caring. If you find a friend that, that wants to get out to uh, freeze out, share this with them. DM them. Uh, give us a review on uh, iTunes, and uh, we'll give you a shout on the show. We appreciate all of you. I've been Brian. I've been Tony. I've been Joe. We'll, we'll see, see you next, next show. show.